Hey there, wonderful listeners out there. Thank you so much for tuning into this podcast from KCSS. I am your host, Chanel. Now, if you've been following along with my podcast, you know that I usually interview artists, musicians. Well, I decided to take a very small break from that because reflecting on Women's History Month last month, I, as a woman, wanted to focus more on other females on other women who do something similar in the line of what I do and that is podcasting and radio so I wanted to highlight and do this mini series on focusing other women who do that as well women behind the mic women who had a part of contributing into the media so this is only part one of that I'm going to continue on with this and of course I had to bring on my first guest Uh, she is very close she means a lot to me she was a great mentor when I went to school at San Francisco State University she was my former radio teacher Gina Valeria and she is currently teaching at Sonoma State University as an assistant professor of journalism, media writing, and digital media. So I got to have a lovely, fun chat with her through Zoom, where we discuss about her history in radio, you know, her new teaching job, as well as the podcast she created. So she's still very affiliated with a radio to the core. And another thing about Gina that you don't know and you'll find out is she is a huge fan of Duran Duran, which is what you're hearing underneath this. It's an instrumental version of Save a Prayer. So let's get into this interview with Gina. And you know what? She's a marvelous person. You're definitely going to hear that right now. How are you doing? Staying busy sort of during the pandemic. Yeah, doing this because I was interviewing musicians and singers just in the artistry of music because last month was Women's History Month. And I don't know why I didn't think about this sooner. I was like, I want to interview women behind the mic. I want to interview women who contributed and were involved in media, especially within radio. We both have a radio background, which I will discuss later. So I was like, who should I interview? And then I was just rounding up names. And I was like, oh, I got to interview Gina. Awesome. I know you as a former professor of mine. I want to know your background. How did you start in radio to where you're at right now? Absolutely. So it was, it was high school. Um, So I went to Clayton Valley, uh, which is in the East Bay here in the Bay Area, at a radio station, KVHS. And it was heavy metal, which was not my music, and hard rock. I was like the Beach Boys and, and Duran Duran. And, oh, speaking um, of which, look at my shirt. Oh, my God. This is why I love you. <laughs> You're going to make me cry. Oh, Tell my husband. She's wearing a Duran Duran shirt. See? My students rock. Okay. Uh, <laughs> oh, my knees made me so happy. So yes, that was my music, Duran Duran. And so, and I was in like, you know, leadership, but I had this interest in race random, who knows why, you know, I mean, I think I listened to it. My parents always had on oldies or the news, radio was always something. 
for me. And so I had room in my schedule. I got to take the class. At the time, you had to get your FCC license. Everybody did. Now it's just the engineer at a station needs it. But so I got my FCC license. I learned how to run a radio station, um, learned how to cut tape, you know, because we had actual reel to reel tape and uh, got to DJ. And I had no idea what to play because it was hard rock and heavy metal. So I'd ask the, you know, hey, somebody give me something and they'd give me random music. Like I could play the Beach Boys like one slot in my hour. So I'd always like play the Beach Boys or the Eagles or whatever. And um, and I loved it so much. And then our professor, our teacher, Mr. Wilson, Tom Wilson, he was a former radio person here around town and his wife Melissa Wilson was also big into radio and he was teaching when I was there but then she took it over after I graduated so they just had this really nurturing love of you know they made me fall in love with radio so then in college I didn't do it much but in grad school I did I started doing radio news the news updates for our campus radio station in grad school and then I thought I wanted to do TV and so I went into TV news became an assignment editor and a producer but radio was always there. They're like, oh, would you do the radio updates for our sister station? Oh, yeah, sure. So I would, you know, do the news updates or whatever. And, and radio was just kind of always part of things. And I always loved it. Like I get into the, you know, you get into the studio and you're like, ah, oh, that's great. And then uh, at some point I was in Sacramento. I was working an overnight shift producing the morning show at a TV station there. And it wasn't working out. Those hours were terrible. And there was an opening for a producer at uh, KFBK radio. And I applied, got it. And that was that. So then I came to KCBS. KCBS was the best because there's radio and news, two of my favorite things. And I was there for a while. And then when I left KCBS, I went into nonprofit communications. Then it became like, oh, I could create a podcast for this nonprofit. And I, so I started hosting podcasts for whatever nonprofit I was working for to interview people who were partners or whatever. And so I started getting into the podcast thing um, and doing more longer format interviews and then started judging the journalism awards for the Society of Professional Journalists. And randomly one year got paired with Jeff Jacoby, San Francisco State, who you know and love. And I, you know, you meet Jeff and he's this old hippie and you're very laid back. And I said, you know, someday I want to teach, you know, not yet. But so, and he's like, oh, yeah, well, you know, send me a CV. And, I'll, and so I sent him something and it wasn't really polished. But I was, you know, I just said, hey, is this what you're looking for? I never heard back, you know. And so then like six months later, I cleaned it up and I sent him another version of it. I'm like, hey, I'm not sure if you ever got this. Never heard back. And then a few months after that, I got a random call from the chair of the department at the time, Scott Patterson. And he was like, hey, we need someone to teach our beginning radio class in the fall. Jeff handed me your resume and said, she's awesome. You should hire her. So do you want to do it? And I was like, yeah. And so that's so then radio became how I got into teaching. So that's kind of my mini journey. You talked about uh, doing high school radio where it more emphasized in music. And yeah. then you switched over to news radio. And I know that's your area of expertise. What drew you more to the news radio side? I think I've always been interested in, I mean, I would have done music, I guess, but I didn't think I had, I mean, I loved music, but I had friends who were passionate about music. And I thought, well, I know Duran Duran and I know the Eagles, that's kind of all I know, right? You know, so it's like, I'm like, I know certain things, but like, I know the news or I, I'm really interested in informing people. And radio is such a powerful way to give people information that they could use. And so, yeah, I think I just gravitated toward the information side of radio. I don't think I was against being a DJ at all. I think if that had come up, and I had understood that I could provide value there, I would have liked it. But I think, I felt like I could provide value in the news space. So would you say, because you have yeah. various degrees pretty much everywhere, do you think your radio experience helped you working in radio or was it your degrees? 
Oh, radio experience. Absolutely. I don't think no one in radio cares that I went to Stanford or UCLA. You know what I mean? No one cares. There are people who care about that kind of stuff. That's not where I want to be. Like the degree basically tells them you can complete something. Oh, they can work hard. They know how to finish something. But then your experience tells them, okay, if they've been around this space, they know what it's like. They know the culture, you know. So yeah, no, my experience all the way. I was having the bachelor's just from what, I mean, from a good school, like having a bachelor's from San Francisco State means something because of Becca, right? Because people know, oh, Becca, we know that they train people well. So that's like experience. Right. And so going back to you getting a degree at at SF State, you working at like two big news radio stations in San Francisco, you mentioned KCBS, you mentioned KGO. How is it like, because you hear all these stories about the competition in big markets, especially in SF, because I think it's like, what, number four, number five in the market. How are you able to thrive in that market, especially being a woman? I expect that question. It's a good question. For me, I'm so tough. I don't let things get to certain places. I think I always had the attitude, and this probably comes from my dad, like know how to do everything so that no one can ever tell you you don't know how to do something. And so I did. Like I learned everything. Like I know how to edit. I know how to be on the air. I know how to produce. I know how to write. I know. How to... And so I just learned everything possible. So you could never tell me that I didn't know what, what I was talking about. You could never tell me. And if you did, then I would prove you wrong. I think the other thing is just building relationships and working hard. So I came in and I'm like, look, I'm here to work hard. I'm here to build relationships. I'm solid. And so as far as when I was working my way in, it was really establishing that. And so when I walked in, no one could knock my work ethic. No one could knock my knowledge. And if there's something I didn't know, I learned it. And no one could knock that I tried to be as friendly as possible. And if someone crossed a line, that I wasn't going to back down. In fact, I would rather, this went for you all, my students, but it also went when I was in the newsroom. I would rather someone come at me than come at someone else because I know I can handle it. Not only do you need that skill set, you have to wear multiple hats in this industry. Mm. You got to know everything, right? But now it almost seems like you got to know the right people to get in. So it's like, hey, I have this list where I could do all this stuff, but it doesn't even matter if you don't know who the director is. So it's almost like unfair too. I, you know, you're absolutely right. And that is an unfortunate reality. I don't think that was less true when I was coming in. That's why that internship is so important. And so when I was coming up, I mean, I guess I got started off on the right foot because the people in high school, Tom and Melissa Wilson, they were, you know, industry familiar. And so I had them, you know, oh, you've worked with them. That's something. And then in college, I happened to get the right internship. So I went and worked for, and it was TV. So I went into TV for my internship, but it was KCAL in LA. Now, KCAL was a fantastic station when I was there. It was really amazing, but it was a small station. It was, didn't have an affiliate, like it wasn't NBC or anything like that. So I had more opportunities to do stuff, to go field produce. I got to do these things. And then I also had an opportunity to get a job when my internship was over. Like they had the room and the ability to hire me. So my strategy of working hard, et cetera, paid off. But nowadays, I think people get these internships and it's like, well, you know, we have an internship program, but really we can't hire you. And that pathway isn't always there the way it was for me. And part of it, again, was I worked for a station that wasn't affiliated. It was a smaller station. But part of it is, 
the the landscape has changed a little. It's become more official or more bureaucratic. So you're right. It's like you walk out into this world well-trained, knowing what you're doing, really good. And how do you get in? And then it becomes how do you actually get to know the people so that they trust that relationship? Yeah, it sounds like back then it was a lot easier to get in radio because that is exactly what happened to me. I interned at a radio station and that was it. I just interned for a couple months and, you know, they weren't hiring. And so I was like, oh, that's a bummer, especially when you get that, you know, diploma saying, hey, I got a bachelor's degree now. And it's like, oh, okay, that's nice to know. Yeah, no, you're right. And it's you're not alone. And that's one of the most frustrating things for me has been watching you and you fall in love with radio and be good at it, like be skilled and amazing at it and be compelling in your content and be like, oh, my God, I can't wait. And then seeing the churn of, oh, they're all hitting these weird dead ends, like they're going out into the industry and it's just a program that's sort of finite and contained and they're not connecting in to jobs. And I've seen that happen and, and I don't know how to address it by I want to because it's obviously a problem. It's not right. I know that you also started a podcast and is News in Context and it airs on 102.5 KSFP. So tell us a little bit more about your podcast. Sure, absolutely. So I come from daily news. And so it was a churn, right? You know, you write, I was the web producer for a lot of it. And I wrote... I mean, I wrote 15 to 25 stories a day. Like everything that came in, I would rewrite it for the website. And, you know, there were days maybe when I got to spend some time on a couple of stories, but those were rare. So going in depth wasn't a thing. One of the reasons I left KCBS, because I was happy there, it was family, it is family. But one of the reasons I left KCBS was I wanted to get more in depth. And so I went to a non-radio, non-news, non-broadcast space. I went to the Commonwealth Club because I still felt like I was producing content. We were producing events, but they were on issues of the day. It was an hour we could delve in. I was still being able to do interviews, you know, sometimes. And so I felt like it was just more valuable. But then the Commonwealth Club was, I mean, anybody was welcome to come, but it was usually people with time and people with means. And so then I'm like, well, we're not really talking to everybody. So, you know, I mean, it's been years, but I think over the time and as podcasting has become more accessible to everybody, I'm like, I can do what I want to do. I can do a long format radio thing where I delve into news of the day and give it context, you know, talk about it. Because I think that's what we're totally lacking in our news landscape right now is actually, you know, we're it's this or this, it's black or white, it's good or bad. And I'm like, that is nothing, none of that is true. So I wanted to dive in and contextualize things or talk about the industry itself. Like, I don't think people are aware, but this is what's going on in the industry. We should talk about that. So it really is just kind of giving me an opportunity to bring several things that I really, really love together. Now, what's interesting about your podcast, because I've actually listened to a few episodes, how (laughs) do you stay objective and not, you know, so much biased? Because you said that everyone is bias automatically. It's really hard to, you know, get that out. But like, how do you put that bias on hold and like maybe like not try to offend anyone with your views? Ooh, good question. I don't think I necessarily, I mean, I think it used to be true that I tried not to offend anyone. I'm not sure I'm in the space anymore where I'm worried about offending anyone. I don't want to deliberately offend anyone. That's not my goal. But I do want to have real conversations about things. I think I've always been a gray space person. I am able to see different people's perspectives. If I'm not able 
And if someone explains something to me, I can kind of see it. But I, I think that's why news was such an important place for me to be because I felt like I could bring together stuff and present it. I don't think I'm objective at all, and I don't think you should stay neutral. I think fair-minded and contextual and truthful is where I want to be. I just think it's more important to try to communicate toward understanding. We both have been doing podcasting. I think you've been doing podcasting a lot longer than I have. But how do you plan out your shows? It all comes from news. So if there's news that's happening and I'm like, hey, oh, someone just made a point or I wonder why they're not talking about or I want to know more about, then that's one inspiration. Or, hey, I'm watching these news organizations try to deal with this story and I'm seeing some challenges and I want to talk about how news works and how we can make it better. That's another inspiration. Or there's a big news story of the day and there are aspects of it that deserve analysis. That's a third inspiration. So I think those are the three areas and there might be others but those are the three main areas where I get my inspirations and ideas and then what I do is I start researching people who might be you know good panelists or good guests and I put out some emails put out some calls try to schedule someone I will say that I intentionally I mean I obviously I've had several white men on my show they're lovely it's fine but I will intentionally reach out to women first and to people of color first not because I'm trying to value one voice over another but because I'm trying to counter much of the content that's already out there. And I think I have an opportunity to add to the landscape or, you know, so I do have a deliberate in my head, I want to make an effort to go there. But obviously there are, you know, whoever is the expert, I want that person. Whoever is the person who can talk about this, I want that person. I don't exclude anybody at all, but I definitely have a starting point. With radio evolving, we've both seen that. And now podcasting is on a rise. Do you think that's helping radio survive in this digital age? Or is it like the complete opposite direction where it's turning away from traditional terrestrial radio? People think differently than this, but I'm of the mind that podcasting is radio. I mean, I, I know there are people who disagree. I get it. I'm happy to have that conversation. But I really, I mean, it's radio. This is what, we, you know, it's like, I mean, we, you and I are talking on Zoom right now, which is fantastic. We can see each other. But if we were in the studio together, we could see each other. We're doing radio and we're publishing it in a digital space rather than putting it out, or maybe we're also putting it out of our terrestrial space. But so to me, podcasting is radio. Now, is podcasting keeping the radio industry afloat? I actually think, yes, it is because where did people used to get talent from local small market radio stations? And now that there's a lot of syndicated content in those places, where is this new batch of talent coming from? Well, it's coming from the podcasting space and the student radio space. So yes, I think podcasting is the new feeder into large market terrestrial radio. Podcasting is going to be where the audio content occurs, maybe rather than on the terrestrial radio space. We're already starting to see, you know, podcast channel. So yeah, but to me, it's it's all radio. I have a hard time seeing how it's different than radio. Although someone can certainly be like, you're wrong, and here's why, and I will listen. That would be an interesting topic to include on your podcast. Now, what are some of the takeaways that you want your media students to take away from your class? Because I know that you're also an assistant professor at Sonoma now. Yeah, I miss SF State, but I love Sonoma two great things. Well, for me, I mean, because I came from the professional world, I want to make sure that I'm imparting practice. I want to make sure that when you leave my class or when you've gone through my class, that you feel like you have a basic understanding of how the industry works, that you got to do it, that you got to create, that you got to own your creations. 
and that you got to have control over them and you got to, you know what I mean? Like, I want to make sure that that's the experience you leave with so that you can then apply, you can then walk in and be like, I know how to do this. And not only do I know how to do it, but I've got ideas and look at my content and listen to my content. It's amazing. So trust me, that's what I want. And then collaboration is the other piece. You know, one thing that's great about radio, at least our class that we had at SF State together is that, you know, you all could work together, you know, and you all could because your classmates are your network. You know, it's like that's the beginning of your network. Those are the people that are going to move into the world and become a thing. These people become your network. So I wanted to make sure that you also got tight, close to each other. Those were my priorities. That makes a lot more sense when in the beginning class we had hard partners. (laughs) When you were a media student, you know, what was an advice that a professor told you and you kind of kept to heart and you shared it? It was my first, my freshman year honors English professor. And I, so I talk about trying to understand, but that was a process, understand other people, but that was a process. So I'm a vegetarian. I don't wear leather, but you know, my parents told me very young, don't you dare be militant because people won't like you and they won't want to be. So I like, I kind of keep it to myself usually, but I, you know, I don't, I a big animal person. Well, my freshman year in, in college, I took this English class and we had to write a research paper. So I said, oh, I know what I'm doing. I'm going to be researching it. I'm going to do an animal rights paper. And so this guy said, this professor said, oh, okay, you're going to do it on the perspective of the vivisectionist, the people who do the animal experimentation. And I was like, oh my God, no, I would never. And he's like, oh yeah, you've already chosen your topic. That's what you're doing. And I'm like, <gasps> I'm like, no, God, the worst thing that could possibly happen to me. So I had to do research on the vivisectionist. I had to argue their case. And so, but as soon as I did all the research and I brought it to him, and showed him what I had. He looked at it and he said, okay, you can write the paper however you want. I just wanted to make sure you understood the other side. First of all, thank God. But secondly, wow, what a lesson for me because it was just like, it was like never assume, because then I understood the value of it. I mean, I still disagreed with it. still think it's abhorrent, you know, but I had a really much better understanding of its value and why it's done and while still vehemently opposing it and seeing all of its problems and all of its, you know, to me, horrors. The paper was way great. And I got an A on the, an A plus on that paper because it's very much like a lawyer. I was able to take their arguments before they made them and address them in the way I wanted to. And so that taught me a really big lesson about one, listening and learning and just two, being able to be armed by trying to really find true understanding. So I think that's it. As far as radio goes, I think it was more the lessons about working hard and, you know, being collegial and and then applying that to where I wanted to be. So whatever I did, I think those are the bigger lessons for me. Yeah, that's a really good lesson. So I graduated in spring 2019, just in time before the pandemic. But then I heard, you know, after I graduated that you left SF State for Sonoma. So how has that been? How is it like teaching at Sonoma? Honestly, it's great. I, you know, I will say I was so lucky to be at SF State and I was really never planning to leave. I mean, I was so happy there, but there just wasn't the gig, you know, the gig wasn't there. So I got my doctorate and I had been a lecturer at SF State. Sonoma State had an assistant professor position. Well, it's still in the area. And, you know, I had to make the decision and I definitely wanted to advance my career. And so I went and I interviewed and I got the gig at Sonoma State. Really different student population. And I love both of you. You know, I loved both. So the San Francisco State, you all 
were passionate and hungry and ready to rumble. Like, you know what I mean? We could have good conversations. Uh, and that was so much fun. Like that sustained me. That just gave me life. I loved it so much. It's, you know, gives me life. I would say at Sonoma State, there are definitely those students there. I think people, this, my students at Sonoma State, very interested in exploring and learning about different aspects and things. And I think they are process of finding their hunger. It's an interesting dichotomy. So you do have to go where you're connected. So I would say, you know, the students at Sonoma State, I feel like I'm really able to support them in a different way. You know, I'm able to like, my pushy nature, I'm able to push them. You know, I'm like, you know, whereas I'm not sure I ever needed to push anyone at SF State. I just needed to kind of like, oh, well, here are some tools. And at Sonoma State, I'd be like, well, here's the possibilities. Let me show you this. Let me show you that. It was amazing at SF State. And it's also been amazing at Sonoma State. So I got really lucky. Speaking of hungry students, I respect when you were my professor, you saw potential in students and you know you also gave them hope so I totally you know admire that from you it really said something because most teachers are like okay you know here's an assignment good luck after you graduate but you know when you sent me that email about KCBS I was like oh my gosh this teacher really does care about her students I mean I do like I love teaching it's like you know my mom used to tell me when I was younger she you should be a teacher I'm like no no I don't want to be a teacher but yes no there was a time when I was like my god I you know, when I got to teach that first radio class, I fell complete. I mean, I fell so in love that I went and got my doctorate so that I could do it full time, you know, so that I could be in it. I do. I love you guys so much. And you do have potential. Like, that's what's so exciting for a teacher, for a professor is to be like, oh, look at you. Oh, my God, I see all this great stuff. And how can I support this that you're going to be? And it's the coolest thing thing to see your student and when they don't know it it's like oh my god you don't know it but look how amazing you are you know it's like that is the absolute best and so I live for that and yes I believe in you so much and I believe in my students want to see you all just thrive it's the best thing ever so glad to have this conversation with you getting to know you a little bit more because at school you know it's just like a very brief bio and then it's like okay well let's go straight to lecture well thank you so much gina for your time this was amazing thank you that wraps up part one of woman in media thank you so much kcss listeners for listening and of course give a round of applause for Gina for being my first guest on this specialty show and Gina I look forward to being on your podcast now you KCSS fans out there if you're interested in Gina's podcast news in context you can look it up online as well as listening to it on 1025 FM KSFP if you're ever in the Bay Area I do have more parts to the series coming up, so stick around to who I will be featuring next. Um, I will give you a little sneak peek, and it will be another former professor of mine whose emphasis is on news writing, so I look forward to sharing that with you all. Well, until then, take it easy and keep listening to The Valley's True Alternative, KCSS. I'm your host, Chanel.